Welcome to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today we are discussing the drama Hulali Huating or Royal Nirvana. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you are new to the podcast, please check out our website, ChasingDramas.com, or feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at ChasingDramas. This is the first of a four-part series for the drama, and today we will provide a high-level overview of what the drama is about, introduce key characters and actors that portray them, as well as some historical insights. As with many dramas, this one is based off of a book of the same name, which we will also discuss. All right, let's get started. Huli Huating, or Royal Nirvana, is a 60-episode historical Chinese drama that first premiered in November 2019. It stars Luo Jin and Li Yitong as the main male and female lead, respectively. We move away from our last two dramas that were primarily female-focused and revolved around the trials and tribulations of women during their lifetimes. In this drama, we shift more to the male perspective. Specifically, we observe the challenges of a crown prince, or taizi, desperate to do the right thing and keep his loved ones close to him while contending with both personal and political challenges. At the personal level, he has an older brother that wants to take his crown and a father who is dealing with his own emotional baggage of his deceased wife, the crown prince's mother, that manifests in unfair treatment to the crown prince. At the political level, the crown prince must protect his title and his allies from the factions on his brother's side. Mix all that in with a love interest whose family was wrongfully executed, and we have the general conflict of the story. For me, there are two primary reasons to watch this drama. Number one, the male lead's acting and the acting of the seasoned supporting cast. It's almost like I could compare it to watching the Harry Potter movies where you have the, you know, students, but also the supporting cast of professors and adults are just top notch. Like having Professor McGonagall being portrayed by Maggie Smith, also Alan Rickman as Severus Snape, all these other people who are great actors and, and actresses. Yeah, and they elevate the drama. So that is what I think for me captivates this drama. The second reason definitely will be the history and culture. I will talk about this a little bit later, but what we see in this drama is very different from what we've seen in our previous two dramas, The Story of Milan and Empresses in the Palace. Let's get into a bit more of the first reason by introducing the cast of this drama. First up is Xiao Dingquan, our crown prince. He is portrayed by Luo Jin. Luo Jin was born in 1981 in Jiangxi province and graduated from the Beijing Film Academy. He is currently married to the lovely actress Tiffany Tang, or Tang Yan, whom he worked with several times. They are one of the model couples in the Chinese entertainment industry. 
He first garnered attention in the 2010 drama Meiyuan Xinji or Beauty's Rival in the Palace, which starred Ruby Lin or Lin Xinru. That was the first drama that I saw him in. He bopped around a few dramas here and there, but got his big break in the 2017 hit drama Jinxiao Wei Yang or Princess Wei Yang, where he starred as the male lead with his wife Tiffany Tang. It was after that drama that the two confirmed their relationship and started a family. Jinxiao Wei Yang definitely broke several viewership records when it was airing and also has quite a following in uh, or at least overseas. I know it is currently on Netflix or was, so people feel free to watch that. Luo Jin solidified his status as an actor with his turn in this drama, Royal Nirvana or He Li Hua Ting, in his role as the crown prince Xiao Dingquan. He is the third son of the emperor, but the son of the late empress, which means he has a more legitimate claim to the throne and was named crown prince at a young age. In the drama, he's supposed to be in his late teens or early 20s, which did cause some derision from viewers when the drama first aired because Luo Jin was in his mid-30s while filming this, but his acting won audiences over. In this role, he portrays the role of a young man eager for validation and love of those around him, but one who is beaten down constantly by his title and responsibility as crown prince. Luo Jin is shedding tears constantly. I don't think I've seen a male actor have to cry this many times in a role in quite some time. It is fascinating to see him oscillate between the boyishness of when he meets his love interest or when he's with his friends and teacher, but then on the other side, where much of the drama he has to manage his despair at the unfairness placed upon him due to his responsibilities. It is quite captivating to watch, and he is one of the primary reasons this drama has garnered, I guess, you could say a cult following. For those of you who are interested, we can definitely talk more about the celebrity gossip and background between Luo Jin and his current wife's uh, relationship. So just let us know if that's something you all are interested in. It is super cute. Next up, we have Li Yitong, who acts or portrays Gu Apa or Lu Wenxi. Born in 1990 in Shandong province, Li Yitong graduated from the Beijing Dance Academy. She got her start in acting in the 2016 drama Demon Girl, or Ban Yao Qingcheng. She landed the title role of Huang Rong in the 2017 remake of The Legend of the Condor Heroes, or Shou Diao Yingxiong Zhuan. That show was quite a decent remake, much better than the other more recent Wuxia remake, so if you want to watch that, I will recommend it. Li Tong has been the female lead of several other dramas, such as Jian Wang Chao or Sword Dynasty and Li Gexing or Court Lady. Most recently, her show Te Zhan Rongyao or Glory of the Special Forces just finished airing. Li Tong is somewhat of an interesting actress. She's quite good and lands the lead roles in dramas. However, she's really never made it to the top echelon of popularity. Her fans might take offense. But I think the overarching reaction to her is like she's kind of forgettable. The roles she takes on don't really give her much of a chance to shine. It's either the male lead that gets the attention, 
a la this drama, or else the overall storyline isn't really good and kind of wastes her talent. She's a gorgeous woman. She can act, but I think overall, like the dramas she picks just aren't great. Royal Nirvana and Legend of the Condor Heroes are definitely the most well-regarded dramas in her filmography. Li Yifeng's character in the drama, Lu Wenxi, or Gu Abao, is a complex one. In the beginning, she's the intelligent and beautiful Lu Wenxi. She had a loving family and a bright future ahead of her, namely marrying well. Unfortunately, her family was dragged into a political scandal and resulted in her father's execution. To save her family, Lu Wenxi had no choice but to infiltrate the crown prince's palace under the name of Gu Abao. She must seek revenge, protect her family, and navigate her complex relationship with the crown prince. Now, let's actually move on to the older generation of actors, which I'm actually very excited to discuss because we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about them, I think, like in overall media pop culture discussion. So here we are. The current emperor, Xiao Rei Jian, is portrayed by Huang Zhizhong. Huang Zhizhong is a powerhouse actor, and you can tell while Luo Qin does a fine job in his role, it's the older actors that make this drama even more intriguing. Huang Zhizhong is one of them. He graduated from the Central Academy of Drama and was born in Tianjin province. Overseas audiences might not know him very well as he primarily focuses on war or family dramas that the older generation would enjoy, but I was first introduced to him in the 2009 drama called Renjian Zhengdao Shi Changzang, or The Road We Have Taken, a Chinese Civil War drama which won both the Golden Eagle Award and the Magnolia Award for Best Drama, two of the highest TV drama awards out there. Wow, and every time uh, we say these things, I'm like, oh, I totally feel old. Wait, that's him? Yeah. Oh, he was great in that drama. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Wow, you didn't realize that? Yeah. So, but yeah, like, I didn't recognize him at first with the mustache or, like, the facial hair, but I was like, hey, this emperor is a really great actor. I'm super impressed. Only then to realize, oh, duh, that's Huang Zhizhong. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He's uh, great in that one, and he's great here. I think the drama The Road We Have Taken or Renjian Zhengdao Shi Changsang is a really good one to watch to just get some insights into Chinese history during the Civil War, World War II era in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. Um, obviously, you know, there's political components to it that we don't want to focus on too much on our podcast right now. But if you do find an English subtitled version of it, highly recommend, or if you can watch the drama and understand Chinese, take a crack at it. To be honest, I think that the emperor is one of the most interesting characters in the drama. Huang Zhizhong gives a powerfully nuanced performance of an emperor who struggles to balance his authority as an emperor and love as a father, particularly towards his Di Chu son, so son of his wife, whom he has a conflicted relationship with because of his love towards his late wife, the crown prince's mother. You want to say that he's a bad father for his unfair treatment of the crown prince, but there was a powerful scene when he blows up at his concubine in defense of the crown prince. Honestly, the key takeaway for me from this drama is that all of these people need family therapy. Family therapy would have resulted in a much happier outcome for everyone. 
Moving on, we next move to Li Baijiu, who is portrayed by Zhang Zhijian. Li Baijiu is the oldest prince's father-in-law, so the crown prince's oldest brother's father-in-law, and one of the most powerful officials in court. He is played by Zhang Zhijian, another powerhouse actor. Honestly, I think in every show I've seen him in, he's the bad guy. He had a role in The Road We Have Taken, I just mentioned earlier, and is also highly well-known or recognizable from his role in Min de Mingyi, or In the Name of the People. That was a 2017 drama, modern-day drama, about anti-corruption, which broke a ton of viewership records at the time. And Zhang Zhijian was, spoiler alert, the big bad. He even was the bad guy in My Dear Guardian last year in that drama with Li Qin and Huang Jingyu. Anyways, in this drama, Zhang Zhijian is a formidable foe to the crown prince and causes many headaches for both the crown prince and the emperor. Next up, we have Wang Jinsong, who acts Lu Shiyu. Born in 1967 in Jiangsu province, Wang Jinsong was trained as a stage actor in the city of Nanjing. He is most famous for his roles in Da Ming Wang Chao Yao Wu Liu Liu, or the Ming Dynasty in 1566, which came out in 2007. Then we go to Nirvana in Fire in 2015, or Lang Yabang. We have Sparrow, or Ma Chue, that came out in 2016, and the Advisors Alliance, or Jun Shi Liemong, that came out in 2017. All very classic roles of his. For me, he really rose to fame due to his role as uh, Yan Chue in Lang Ya Bang, or uh, Nirvana in Fire. He did a fantastic job in that role. And the drama really, I don't know, kickstarted his career. It was later in life, but it did kickstart his career. If you look at his most recent output, he's had at least five dramas air yearly since 2018. Now, he might not be the lead, but he very much gets important supporting roles. Honestly, when he's on screen, you can't help but pay attention. That is the case in this drama. He plays Lu Shiyu, or Minister of Personnel and Grand Tutor to the Crown Prince. He is the father figure to Xiao Dingquan and taught him how to become a man. Unfortunately, to protect his beloved pupil, he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Under his teachings, the crown prince grew up to become a benevolent man, or in Chinese, a renyi jun. But that might be to a fault. Does his teacher regret how his pupil turned out? Perhaps not, but maybe this benevolence wasn't a good fit for a future emperor. Next, I want to talk about Liu De Kai, who acts as Gu Silin. Born in 1953, Liu De Kai hails from Taiwan. He was once one of the most popular actors from Taiwan. He rose to fame acting in many Qiongyao dramas in the 90s, especially the original Yi Lian You Meng, or Fantasies Behind the Pearly Curtain. That came out in 1996 and was a smash hit. Although, ladies and gentlemen, I would definitely not recommend that drama currently for plot purposes. It's very outdated in my eyes. The main female character is wrong on every count. In 2002, Liu Dekai acted in Xiao Zhuang Mi Shi, or the Xiao Zhuang Epic. 
Now that drama was an instant classic. The plot, the acting, the costumes, and the music were all top notch. I highly recommend this drama to anyone, even today. Liu Dekai portrayed Hong Taizi or Huang Taizi, the founding emperor of the Qing Dynasty. Honestly, if it wasn't because we already did Empresses in the Palace and we will do Story of Yanxi Palace, I probably would have convinced Karen to uh, recap the Xiaozhong epic. It is just that good. Back to Liu Dekai. He has had a steady output over the past two decades, so he may be pretty familiar to folks who watch a decent amount of Chinese dramas. His character Gu Silin in the drama is the Marquis of Wudu or Wudu Hou. He is the Crown Prince's maternal uncle and comes from the heralded Gu family. He is Xiao Dingquan or the Crown Prince's shield and does his best to protect his nephew. Unfortunately, the emperor, who was once his best friend, is at odds with him and the amount of military power the Gu family wields. It does not turn out too well for the Gu family. The last of the older generation of actors that I want to discuss includes Miao Pu, who acts as noble consort Zhao. Born in 1977, Miao Pu's parents were both stage performers. She graduated from the Beijing Film Academy and has since then had a very illustrious career in both dramas and films. Some highlights include Mei Sephora Flower Perfume or Wu Yue Huai Hua Xiang, The Judge in Song Dynasty or Da Song Ti Xing Guan, which both came out in 2005, and Mu Guiying Takes Command or Mu Guiying Gua Shui, which came out in 2012. In that drama, Miao Pu and Luo Jin, the main lead actor here, collaborated for the first time. Mu Guiying is a very famous female heroine of the Northern Song Dynasty, in which Mu Guiying was famous for participating in battles against the Khitans. Her story is quite legendary, and listeners who aren't familiar with the story should definitely go check it out. It's one of those、um, legends that you know surface in various forms of Chinese art, whether that is. Uh, Chinese opera, whether that is TV shows, whether that is stories, she is everywhere. So、um, she is quite famous all around. The character of Mu Guiying, that is. Miao Pu, the actress, has reduced her output in recent years, but she nonetheless still has、uh, done some great work. I do want to point out again the issue that is prevalent in both Hollywood and, I guess, the Chinese entertainment. Landscape, namely pairing age-appropriate men and women. Miao Pu and Luo Jin collaborated for the first time in 2012. In, of course, Mu Guiying takes command. They acted as husband and wife. Less than ten years later, Miao Pu now portrays the consort to Luo Jin's father, while Luo Jin is still the main lead, but now with a romantic relationship to someone ten years younger. Lozin does a great job in this role, but in the story, he is supposed to be only twenty. As Karen mentioned, he was in his mid thirties while acting it. It's definitely stretching it.、Um, he does a great job, but Miao Pu is actually age appropriate in this role. In the story, concubine or noble consort Zhao is the mother of Xiao Dingtang and Xiao Dingkai, two of the crown prince's brothers. 
She is a power-hungry woman and plots to overthrow the crown prince to install her son, Xiao Dingtang, as the crown prince and future emperor. As for the younger generation of actors, we have Jin Han, who plays Xiao Dingtang, the oldest son of the emperor, and is constantly at odds with his brother. A little cliched now in the conflict, but Xiao Dingtang wants the title of the crown prince himself and has the backing of his powerful father-in-law and mother, who is still alive, whereas Xiao Dingquan's mother has passed away. Jin Han, I thought, did an okay job in this drama portraying this prince, but last year, let's just say he was ridiculed pretty much by every reviewer after his portrayal of the male lead in Jun Jiu Lin. As in, he was literally in almost every single top 10 ugliest male leads list um, when, like, during year end. People would actually often comment on how he was fine in Royal Nirvana, but his attractiveness went down several notches for Jun Jiuling. That is to say, people prefer Royal Nirvana. I would like to kindly say that I think it has to do with the hairstyle he was portraying in Jun Jiuling. Um, but, you know, overall, he gained a little bit of weight and just like overall posture wasn't as great. On the flip side, the other young actor I do want to mention is Zheng Yecheng or Gu Fengen. He is the cousin to the crown prince and one of his trusted friends. I really like the character in the drama as well as Zheng Yecheng's portrayal. When I saw this character on screen, I was like, ooh, he's a handsome, attractive young man. Well, Zheng Yecheng is slowly gaining more popularity with his more recent dramas, including My Sassy Princess or Zhu Qinghao. Part of the reason is that he has a background in Chinese opera, which means he can do martial arts very well and has a strong level of stage presence. This quality is something that is quite lacking in the Chinese entertainment industry these days, so many fans are now turning their attention to Yes, him. recognizing that Zheng Yecheng is one of the few who can actually do fight scenes and has good posture. Unlike, unfortunately, Jin Han. <laughs> Well, that pretty much covered most of the cast that we thought are important. So let's move on to a little bit more of the culture and history, which is why we enjoy this drama. First off, let me explain the meaning of He Li Hua Ting. The name actually comes from the anecdote Hua Ting He Li Qi Ke Fu Wen Hu. This line was spoken by a Western Jin scholar named Lu Ji before his death. Lu Ji was born in 261 AD and was a scholar originally from the Wu Kingdom, but then headed to the Jing Kingdom after the Wu Kingdom's demise. Hua Ting is actually the historical name of Songjiang area of modern-day Shanghai. This is important. This Lu Ji character wanted to make a name for himself and was embroiled in political battles for power, and he rose to quite elevated ranks. He was too eager to continue climbing and led troops into a trap. Realizing that he was doomed to fail, he resigned himself to his fate and uttered the words, Hua Ting He Li Qi Ke Fu Wen Hu, which in plain terms means where can I hear the heron's bird song from Hua Ting again? 
This phrase represents his regrets for taking the path to becoming a scholar, which led him to his ultimate demise. It's an interesting anecdote and applies to this drama in that the crown just wants a simple life of love and happiness, but his title means that this wish will forever be out of his grasp. Thank you, Karen, for the explanation of the name. It's a very beautiful, beautiful name, actually, for this drama. Now, let's get on to the second reason why this drama is interesting to watch. And that is, of course, the history and culture. The drama is set in a fictional world, but it draws heavily from the end of the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms period to the early Northern Song Dynasty. So think 10th century to 11th century AD. For those listeners who just finished the story of Minglan with us, you'll see many similarities in dress and customs, especially for men. However, it will be a little bit different for the women. I'm very happy to be able to have dramas like this to show us how much detail went into recreating this era. As we discuss the drama, we'll discuss the main events that occur and the historical significance of these events. To that, I'm very excited. The production crew for Royal Nirvana went painstakingly through much research to try and recreate the costumes and customs of that era. In a behind-the-scenes video, the etiquette coach shares that they created almost 30 types of greetings for each possible character and setting. We've rarely seen such detail to etiquette, especially amongst men, so please keep an eye out on those types of um, scenarios. Similarly, many events in the drama, such as the Crown Prince's capping ceremony, are simply not shown in TV dramas. So it's a real treat to see that here in this drama. What fascinates me about this drama, but also all the other dramas we talked about, is that there are written accounts for how things are done. But it's very difficult to tease out how in motion things were done. For example, a bow can be clearly stated in written um, uh, historical uh, books as, you know, right hand is on top for women. But how is that done in action when bowing to the empress, to the princess, or to a senior official? There were no cameras back then, so it's up to the drama to work with historians to present this to us, the audience. I will say that this drama might even be a little too dense for audiences with just how chock full of culture and etiquette this drama has. We will do our best to tease out the main items, but I think it'll be a real treat for you as the audience to also try and figure out what is being shown here. The drama is based on the book of the same name, He Li Hua Ting. The author, Xue Man Liang Yuan, was also a screenwriter for this drama, which is probably why it translated well to screen. Many of the people and events that were only mentioned in passing in the book are fully fleshed out in this drama. This includes Li Baijiu and Lu Shiyu, two characters we mentioned earlier today. The book, published in 2014, is written quite beautifully. I remember actually reading it for the first time, you know, I think in 2017, because I was curious to uh, read more about it, and I heard pretty great reviews, or I read pretty great reviews about this book. It is a much more difficult read than, for example, the story of Minglan or the book that the drama is based off of. 
the reader does have to be more familiar with the ancient texts that the author references. The dialogue is also much more subtle. I, as the reader, really had to spend quite a bit of time comprehending all the twists and turns that occur in the book because it's rarely stated outright. This is not a time-traveling book, so to that, I will admit I personally enjoy books where there is no time-traveling involved more. Because the characters really inhabit the world, and it's how they actually react based on the cards that they are dealt with. Oftentimes, for books in which the main character time travels, he or she just uses his or her knowledge from their previous life to quote-unquote win at this new life. That was basically the case in the book for the story of Minglan, which to me is why um, the drama dispenses with that, and I like that much better for Minglan overall in the drama. In this book, He Li Hua Ting, I really felt the struggles and desires and ultimate helplessness of many of these characters. For this drama recap, I'll do my best to point out the differences and similarities to the book, um, but there's a lot. It's really quite dense, so um, I will try my best to you know tease some things out, but it might not be as simple as uh, the story of Minglan. The drama, like the book, isn't a very happy one. Sure, it's engaging, but it's like it's like it's like repressive. Yeah, it's repressive. Yeah. So take that with. There's a lot of angst. Yeah, lots of angst, internal like struggles, struggles, and you want there to be a little bit more action, but ultimately the end is probably not the happy ending you're thinking of. Well, at least there are two endings for the drama. Royal Nirvana has 60 episodes, and there's also a Royal Nirvana special with 12 episodes. In Chinese, this special is called Bie Yun Jian, which premiered a year later in 2020. It's essentially content that the director had to cut from the original version of Royal Nirvana, but was like, meh, here you go. I'm going to splice together what I was going to show for the full drama in this 12-episode series. People generally had like a big question mark reaction to this because I think Bie Yun Jian came out a year after He Li Hua Ting. So people forgot what was going on in the original show and were oftentimes confused as to what happened in the end. I don't think you necessarily need to watch Bie Yun Jian to enjoy He Li Hua Ting. But, you know, if you're trying to get the full picture of what happened in the book and like the real ending for the drama check out Bie Yun Jian. Just be prepared with tissues. Now, where can you watch this drama? Both Royal Nirvana and this special episode, uh, meaning He Li Hua Ting and Bie Yun Jian, are available on Jubao TV with English subtitles. If you want to stream it, just head on over to Jumo XUMO and select Royal Nirvana. Note, Royal Nirvana first before the special, the 60-episode version before the 12-episode version. Otherwise, you will be confused as heck. Like I said earlier, this drama will make you cry, but it is also super binge-worthy. I literally binge like 20 episodes over 30 days. Not healthy, but hey, that's the joy of Chinese dramas, right? And also when you have the ability to go like 1.25 speed, that's honestly how I generally watch my television nowadays. 
All right, that is our introduction to the drama. For the remainder three episodes of our podcast series, we will discuss several cases that span multiple episodes of He Li Hua Ting or Royal Nirvana. They are quite interesting as each case is based on an important facet of Chinese history. We will start off with the Crown Princess Capping Ceremony case and then move on to the Imperial Entrance Exam case and finally the Archery Competition case. I personally really enjoyed learning these components of Chinese history uh, because we didn't disclaim this earlier, but recognize that we are not actual Chinese historians. We are just super geeks that like Chinese history and culture and can speak English and Mandarin. Uh, so that's why we are you know, just going to do our best to chat about them and hopefully demystify some of these components for you in our next couple of podcast episodes. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.